Welcome back to Eldritch Girl um, and now we're continuing with chapter 8 and we get to find out if Ricky was a bit too cocky uh, because you know he's not just been killed by anyone this time he's been killed by somebody who's basically born to kill members of their family for good even though she hasn't changed yet so let's see if if his gambles paid off um so um we left him dead on the lawn and <laughs> we'll get back to that um so this is more gore um infestation and uh emesis quite a lot of emesis uh, katie throws up a lot in this chapter um there's also uh sort of on page panic attack and um there's quite a bit of eldritch horror in this so there's um yeah there's so yeah there's a lot of body horror coming up in terms of assimilation and uh, particularly family assimilation uh and sort of what happens to the family in the afterlife which is fairly horrific uh, so be aware that those things are coming up and if any of that makes you feel uh, you know sort of heads on stalks and things makes you feel particularly uh, squeamish then be aware that's coming up towards the end of this episode um, and there's a bit of uh, the usual family drama um, so just be aware of that um, and let's see, let's see how Ricky's doing. <laughs> Enjoy. Chapter eight, part two. She stared at the brass shaft. His blood ran towards her hands. She let go. It took him a second to drop. She couldn't have been that accurate. She hadn't even been aiming. Ricky fell straight back the poker tip biting into the lawn and his head juddering as he landed. Katie squeaked as he hit the ground, scouring her hands on her top. The poker pranged with the impact like a comedy javelin. Blood dribbled from the socket. Was it blood? Or something else? Katie swallowed, forcing herself to come a step closer, but what was bubbling out of Cousin Ricky's ruined face was a nest of thick, dark maggots that writhed as they hit the cold January air, and then was still. She jumped back again, hugging her stomach and wishing she hadn't looked. Don't throw up, don't throw up, don't throw up. She shuddered, forcing bile back down. He didn't move. There was no blood flow, no breath. Nothing shifted under his skin. Take it out, Wes called to her, now leaning on the kitchen wall by the back door. It'll be easier. The last thing she wanted to do was touch it. It was already stuck in the earth, and the thought of yanking soil through his head, all that dirt and infection, nearly undid her resolve not to vomit. She steeled herself and reached for it. He wasn't moving. Okay, well, good. She didn't want him to sit up with that thing through his head. She wasn't standing close enough to give it a proper tug, her fingers barely grazing the metal. Get on with it! Where's sounded? Well, she didn't know exactly... But something about the instruction made her step closer and take a proper grip on the antique fireplace tool again. She closed her eyes, took a deep breath 
and squealed through gritted teeth as she yanked the poker free. Opening her eyes was a mistake. A black clot came with it, plopping onto the frosted dead grass and breaking apart into hundreds of dead, worm-like things. She dropped her weapon and danced back, scuffing her trainers on the ground in case something had lodged on them. Ew! Ew, ew, ew. Ricky was still very, very dead. He'd been too cocky. What if she had killed him for good? What if it was different because it was her, regardless of if she changed? It was unreal, like a dream. She wasn't angry anymore, but she didn't know what she did feel. Numbness seeped through her chest, leaving her light-headed. It was a dream. She was a good person. She had friends. She wasn't a monster. She had never hurt anyone before. It was the beast. The beast inside her. The beast that made her do it. Except she wasn't the beast yet, and Ricky wasn't moving. I didn't do it, she lied, reassuring herself. It wasn't me. I didn't do that. She couldn't have done that. She couldn't even kill squirrels properly. He was going to get up, though, wasn't he? That was a bloody big hole in his head. Wes stumbled up behind her, his hand pressing her back. She leaned into it. He's going to get up, isn't he? That's supposed to happen, right? I bloody hope so. Wes patted her back and rubbed her shoulder. Fuck me, what a mess. Nice one. What did I do? Katie turned frightened eyes to her big brother, almost forgetting his own betrayal. I thought he'd get out of the way. I thought it was... She looked at her hands. I really killed him, didn't I? Wes put an arm around her shoulders, but she barely registered it. He told me to. I didn't... She didn't know what she was saying. Nothing made any sense. He's going to get up, isn't he? How could he get up? How could it be a trick? She'd never seen him do it before, his Mike Myers routine or whatever this was, and Wes seemed less sure of himself. The poker was covered in blood and brain. She grabbed a handful of Wes's shirt as panic overtook her. Oh shit, I'm in so much trouble. He rubbed her back and gave her arm a squeeze. Come on, leave him. Let's go back inside. Katie fought a little as he pulled her away, but stumbled and let him push her gently back to the kitchen. We can't just... Someone will see if we leave him there. Someone will come and I'll have to... What if they arrest me? Who? Wes waved his free hand around at the trees and the high garden wall. There's no one here. Carrie, Carrie, that woman, that thing. Katie glanced up at the house and felt it judging her. I'm going to be sick. Deep breaths. Her stomach rebelled. Oh, God. She threw up in a flower bed and Wes stroked her hair back and kept hold of her ponytail. The rest was a blur. They entered the house, although it was like walking through tar. The energy in the rooms pushed against her like a repelling magnet as if it didn't want her either. Somehow, not long afterwards, she was tucked up in bed with a cup of tea and a hot water bottle, and Wes was sat on the end reading from his tablet. She wasn't sure if she'd fallen asleep, or just blanked out the past... How long had it been? She checked her phone. Two hours. Two hours? She could have sworn it had been twenty minutes. Her tea was cold. She'd only put it down five minutes ago, hadn't she? Two hours? She pulled herself up against the headboard. 
Is he still out there? She asked, and Wes frowned. Who? She searched his face for as long as it stuck in her memory, but blinked and couldn't remember if he was being serious or not. Are you joking? Wes snorted. If he is, he's just being dramatic. Katie drew her knees up to her chin. I knew it was a trick. Not a trick, Ricky said from the doorway, making her jump. You got me good. She stared at him, horror creeping up her spine. His right eye was bloodshot, but she couldn't see any damage to his skull, except a few partially faded scar lines through the shaved hair. He dipped his head to show her and turned around slowly on the spot. The second mouth gaped, puckered lips like scar tissue, tendrils disgorging, dripping spots of blood onto the floor. They waved listlessly out of his skull like a wriggling infestation crawling out of his brain, and Katie's stomach twinged. She was sick in her mouth. She burped and swallowed it miserably back down. Nice, Wes retorted, but that was aimed at Ricky, not at her. Ricky sucked the tendrils back inside his head, the lips dribbling silvery mucus, and turned back to face them. We got that out of our system now, have we? Katie rubbed her stomach, shivering. What? You had a go, you did pretty well. Now we're off the list, right? It wasn't a question. Katie shuffled back against her pillow. You were never on it. Don't sound so disappointed. Ricky approached and stopped short of the bed as Wes stuck out his long legs protectively. Look, she can learn how to control it. Who's on, who's off. It's about criteria, right? It's inbuilt, sub, what's it, subconscious. Wes glanced at her, putting his tablet on the bed. Am I on it? She didn't answer. Wes stood up. Katie? Ricky cocked his head. He is on the list. Since when? Katie hugged the blanket. She'd almost forgotten in the midst of all the other nightmares. She'd pushed it down, not wanting to think about it. She should have told him. Last July? One night after Gran died, in the middle of the heatwave that summer, she'd woken up fighting through ribbons of Wes's flesh and skin. She hadn't told him. She'd wanted to, but the family vote was called and he'd called her and promised he was on her side and she couldn't say anything. He'd still voted against her in the end anyway, so she figured in a numb, dull way that it didn't really matter. July! Wes's shadow loomed over her and flickered in and out of consciousness as she looked away. July! I thought I might still be able to... What do you mean I've been on the list since July? I was going to vote for you. He stopped himself. Katie glared at him. Yeah, and you didn't. Ricky crowed and clapped his hands. Wes rounded on him. Shut your mouth. What the fuck is this about? Why aren't you on there? You fucked up every one of her birthdays. You punched out our old man. You made a right mess of Kieran's face. You ruined Nick's first harvest party. You're a fucking disgrace. Why the hell aren't you on there? Why hasn't she dreamed of you? Ricky giggled and ran his hands over the fading scars crisscrossing his skull. That's the question, ain't it? If he's off it, I ought to be off it, Wes said, rounding on her. That poker bloody hurt. Katie tensed, squeezing her pillow. Don't tell me what to do. You don't mean it like that, Ricky jumped in unexpectedly. He's on edge and it don't come out right. So sorry. Wes shot him an incredulous look that Katie dearly wished she could remember forever. You what? To Catherine, say sorry to her. Don't be a prick. Me? What about... 
Wes gave a low growl, then his shoulders slumped. He turned back to Katie, shaking his head. No, yeah, all right. It's not that I don't... It's not that I don't care about you. You know that, right? It's just... He couldn't quite look at her, but she remembered believing he meant it, even though she couldn't fix the expression in her mind. He trailed into silence. She swallowed and relaxed a little. It... It's not all right, but... All right. Wes nodded. He scowled, turning back to Ricky. But seriously, how am I on the list and you're not? Ricky grinned, but for the first time, Katie noticed his eyes were sad. Are you joking? I'm the bloody invisible man to you lot. Aside from hating my guts, I don't think she's ever thought twice about me. He held up a hand as Wes started to argue. Look, one way to find out. How about we send her to meet Grandad? Wes balked. You what? I can do it by myself, Ricky said, but two of us would be easier. Quick ritual in the kitchen and we'll use the pendle stone. I'll do all the non-vegan bits, you do the chanting. How about that? By non-vegan bits? Katie thought about the organs in the cellar. Ew, this is going to be gross. Wes took a deep breath, let it out in a long, controlled jet and attempted humour. Bet you're wishing you just took Uncle Barry's pills now. No thanks. Katie struggled to disentangle herself from the sheets and blankets. At least I know where the body parts have been. All organic, Ricky said, straight-faced. Katie sighed. Fine, let's, let's get this over with. She was numb. She ought to feel something. She'd murdered her cousin. Wasn't that supposed to make you feel something? Stronger, more alive? All she felt was hollow and empty and sick. She'd smashed his face in with a poker and got his blood and brain on her hands and scrubbed it off like it never happened, except it had happened, and here he was. If she'd done that to anyone else, they'd still be lying out there on the grass and she'd get arrested. No uni, no travelling the world. And how would she cope if she changed in prison? What then? She belonged in prison. She'd killed someone. She looked at her living, breathing cousin and it was all too complicated. Sod it. What are we doing? Ricky grinned. At a girl. This way. We'll get you into the outside. Wes groaned but followed them. Katie shot a worried look back at him. The outside? Like, you mean where we're supposed to go when we do the changing ritual? He gave her a sly sideways look. That's what you wanted with Grand Shrine, right? You wanted to open the portal, meet with our good gaffer, find out if you can change early or not at all. Katie went cold, staring at him. How how do you know that? Ricky's teeth glinted at her as his lips peeled back. I ain't daft. I never said you were. You think seeing the future's all cousin Ricky can do? Katie shook her head, firmly believing someone talking about themselves in third person was a bad sign. Maybe she'd given him lasting damage. She trailed her hand along the wall of the corridor, the warmth of it reassuring, anchoring. Where's Carrie? Wes asked. Ricky cocked his head. The mistress? She's around. Around where? Katie changed tack, opting for something that would provoke a reaction. Her fingers brushed the bedroom door where she'd overheard him talking to himself, and it swung open at her touch. The sunny yellow counterpane and embossed blue peacocks on the feature wall were not his style, but she caught sight of a clean grey hoodie folded on the bed.
You guys are together or something, right? How long have you been banging her? Wes burst out laughing. Ricky whipped his head around to stare at her, eyes wide and cheeks flaring. It ain't like that. I wasn't... It's just... You're obviously shacked up with her. You share a bedroom, right? So... Katie shrugged, amused. She's pretty. What's the deal there? Nothing. It's... It's none of your business. He looked genuinely upset. Katie frowned. What did I say? Leave him be, Wes said as they headed downstairs. He's not into that. Never has been. Into what? Katie dropped her voice, desperate for something else to think about. Girls. She couldn't picture Ricky with anyone, but it helped to try. Wes snorted, shook his head and mouthed, Sex. Ricky rounded on them at the bottom of the stairs, jaw fluttering. Do you want to learn something or not? That's why you're here, none else. He gave up and marched off to the kitchen, flushing an ugly bruised red. Katie and Wes followed him. Wes shooting her what she felt, rather than remembered, was a warning glance. Move the table back, Ricky said, not looking at either of them. Katie did as she was told, Wes lending a hand, filing away this information for later. If she wanted to hurt Cousin Ricky again, at least she knew where to stick the knife. Ricky cracked his neck side to side and shifted on the spot. Gran ever explained to you what the Pendlestone actually was? Katie shook her head. Not properly. Ricky nodded and sniffed, all business now recovered from the personal embarrassment. This is it. He lunged down and patted the slab of limestone in the fireplace upon which the black range sat. Katie was bitterly disappointed. That's it. It's... it's just a... She gestured. It's part of the floor. Built into the house, yeah. The hearthstone of the old Pendle cottage. Ricky patted the hearthstone, finger-tracing some carvings on its ancient surface. Gran never said, but I think the old baronet did it on purpose. Sir, which one was it? They were all Peter or John, weren't they? One of them, anyway. He cocked his head as if someone was whispering to him. Sir Peter Sauvant, the third one, yeah. Wes and Katie exchanged glances, but Ricky didn't notice and carried on monologuing. Witchcraft was still illegal under the statute of 1542, did you know that? No? He gave her a smug grin. There was all these rumours about what the Pendles could do, though it weren't truly much at the time, I think. They got better at it. But the third Lord Peter wanted some of that for himself, thought it was easy enough to take away what they needed, build it into the manor, keep the Pendles working for him, keep all that power somewhere in plain sight where he could keep an eye on it. Ricky sniggered. All mine now. How about that then? Katie couldn't believe it. She'd been sat inches away from the mythical Pendlestone for days, been eating food warmed in the range directly above it, and after all the hype and the family legends, it was just a dusty slab of rock. That's it. What did you think it was? I thought... I thought it was like a meteorite or a crystal or something. Katie stared at it. Are you serious? That's what the fuss is about. Pretty much. Ricky started to undress, and Katie recoiled. What the hell are you doing? Wes chortled, drumming his hands on the tabletop. Not what you think. Ricky ignored him. Gonna change. She don't like me doing it indoors much, but needs must, hey? I'll do the words. Is that it? You channel the energy? Wes cracked his knuckles in front of him, and Ricky nodded. You remember him? 
Seared into my brain, mate, don't you worry. Ricky stripped. Katie faced the wall, rigid, her turn to burn with embarrassment. What's the matter with you? Never seen a naked man before? I'm not undressing. Ricky folded up his clothes. Why would you? He crouched down. Right, I want you to stay in contact with this all the time. Oi, oi, Catherine, pay attention. Down here. Katie lowered herself to the floor, not sure where to look. She put her hand on the pendle stone and a bolt of energy shot up her arm, exciting her heart like a shot of caffeine. Shit! Strong, I know. It knows you. He was twisting awkwardly, something bulging under his skin and settling down again, large round coils expanding and leaving livid stretch marks where they pushed through. Some began to split and bleed. Wes was chanting words she'd heard Gran use, words Gran only taught to the oldest of each generation. He was getting into the zone which bothered her almost as much as Ricky's bulges. What did he have in there? How was there room for anything else? What was crawling around inside of him? Wes droned, monotonous, words blending into one another. It didn't sound like a human language. Wes droned, monotonous, words blending into one another. It didn't sound like a human language. She couldn't explain why, except that it tugged at something at the back of her mind, making her think of dreamscapes where the beast prowled and snapped at winged insects the size of large dogs. She thought the landscapes of her dreams were imaginary, based on the stories the others had about their changes. They all talked of black sand, a source of heat, a voice in their heads. Wes chanted, droning on and on until it was a buzz in her brain, an itch she couldn't pin down, and the tones swam in and out of her consciousness. The words rippled in front of her. She could see them. That had never happened when Gran chanted, had it? She blinked through the haze of half-formed symbols, pale and illusory like smoke, and saw the thing inside Ricky tearing through his skin. Katie flinched, dragging her nails involuntarily across the rock. Shit, does that hurt? Course. Ricky sounded like he took it in stride, but he was wincing. You try having something the size of a fucking Tyrannosaurus living in your bloody torso. Uh, what the fuck? You should come to the gatherings. It's much more impressive with a bonfire. Ricky tried to laugh and his throat split open. Katie yelped in shock. She'd never seen a full body change before. Oh shit, this is going to happen to me. I don't want this. What the fuck? What the actual fuck? Something pulsed through her arm, gluing her hand to the stone. She tugged but couldn't get away. Ricky's skin split open in pieces as whatever was underneath forced its way into their reality, all eyes and mouths and thick rubbery hide. It expanded. Possibly it was like an iguana, she thought, mind shutting down, unable to stop staring at it. It grows to fit the cage it's in. It filled her field of vision, pulsating, feeding from her, draining her of energy and thought and movement. Something was happening to the pendle stone, magnified by the energy in the kitchen, the energy in the house. Everything was throbbing around her, one long musical tone ringing in her ears as if a crystal glass had been struck. Was that the sound the universe made? It's beautiful, she thought, overawed by its majesty. How beautiful. Ricky's other form was beautiful too. Terrible. Glorious. It called to the form inside her, communing with it, 
and Katie wanted to tear her miserable skinny flesh away and be as beautiful as that. The energies were doing something to the dimensions around them, bending space out of shape. Katie saw the kitchen table melt, wobbling like jelly, dissolving into pixelated fragments of being swept away in a whirl of black sand. The stone under her hand glowed with symbols, peeling off like disco lights, dancing around her head. She couldn't move. They seared into her eyes. The world burst into flaring fragments. She was on her own. The slab of limestone, the only thing she recognised, sat in the middle of a square black desert. Walls of navy blue sky formed the horizons and the sand rippled away to the edges as far as she could see like anthracite. Katie stood up. She wasn't sure if she was really there or if this was all inside her head. She dusted off her hands looking at the pendle stone. The kitchen was the other side, under her feet. She could feel the throbbing of the thing that was Ricky and still feel, rather than hear, the low, sustained chime tone below her. She turned slowly on the spot, taking in the vast box of space and dark light. There was no sun, and yet she could see. The sky itself was a flat, bright square of grey. In front of her was a gigantic black chair. Katie. Katie knew that voice. It was the voice, Grandad's voice, the one that spoke to her from Grand's shrine. Have you made the list? Katie moistened her lips. She steeled herself and started towards the chair. No, it was more like a throne. High-backed, arms and legs built for something huge. The tug in her chest pulled her forwards. This could be yours, the voice whispered. You could sit here. Do you have what it takes to sit here? Who? Her voice broke. She coughed and swallowed, throat dry. Who sits there now? She approached, casting a nervous glance back at the pendle stone. Its edges were fuzzy, the air shimmering above it as, it were, as if it were hot or giving off steam. Her eyes stung. Katie ducked her head, scrunching her eyes closed and blinking a few times. When she opened them, the throne was inches away from her, and the pendle stone was further away, but she couldn't remember walking any further. How do I control the list? she asked, not sure if anyone was listening. Something was wrong with the throne. She couldn't decide what it was, or what it was made of. It was roughly throne-shaped, but now she was this close, she could see all the contours, as if it was made up of tessellating, misshapen parts welded together. It took her a moment to realise what it reminded her of was anatomy. Oh shit. She took a step back as the eyes began to open. Mouths pulled apart, taking shuddering gasps. Katie stumbled backwards as the throne awoke. Katie... It had one voice, but the mouths all moved in unison, hundreds of them. A few faces pushed out further on long, stalk-like necks. Katie tripped over her own feet and sat down hard on the sand. One face floated over her, its neck stretching out, swaying and pulsing in time to Katie's heartbeat. Gran? Granny Wend groaned, phantom eyes rolled back. Katie couldn't move chest cold and tight, unable to blink or breathe. Other faces waved on their neck stalks. 
What wriggles and crawls with no legs at all, ties knots without hands, chills bones without breath, changes minds without words, is stopped only by death. Katie shuffled back as the faces strained to reach her. The Pendlestone was so far away, she glanced over her shoulder and saw it flickering in the middle distance. Something breathed in her ear. Katie made herself look. She was face to face with someone she recognised from Gran's family album. Uncle Hector? The only other 13th, the one before her. Hector had culled the family in the 1960s, including Granny Wen's two sisters, Great Auntie Olive and Great Auntie Eileen. Hector had gone mad in the end and culled himself. Snippets of family history flashed through her head as she stared into the grey, dead face. Is this... Is this what's going to happen to me? She croaked. Uncle Hector, what is this? What happened to you? Have you made your list? I'm getting there. I've got people on it. Hector withdrew and floated above her on his long, pulsing neck. What wriggles and crawls with no legs at all? Ties knots without hands. I don't know. I don't know. Katie couldn't think. She shuffled further away, heels digging into the sand. Chills bones without breath. Katie's bones were frozen, heavy. She forced herself up, stumbling but keeping her balance. I don't know. Changes minds without words is stopped only by death. Granny Wen lunged at her, mouth open, and Katie screamed and ducked. She fled, speeding across the sand as the necks lashed out of the throne, limbs breaking free of their positions and wrenching the throne out of the ground. It was a mass of her dead family. All the family who had died in brutal and unnatural ways, broken and groaning, calling her name in one voice. She forced a sprint, heels spraying sand. The pendlestone shimmered, drawing her on, spurred by the lumbering of too many limbs behind her. She knew how to breathe, knew how to run for fuck's sake, but her lungs ached, her breaths coming hot and ragged. Did it matter if she slowed down? What was really behind her? Was she even really here? Something whipped by the back of her neck, tugging at her hair. Fear burst through her. Katie leapt for the pendle stone, slamming both hands down on it and feeling the edges give, spongy to the touch, and as the throne lumbered louder behind her, the world spun upside down. It was like the time at Grand's when she set the shrine off without knowing what she was doing. This time, though, Wes and Ricky were on the other side, their energy anchoring her to the other world. She tumbled into its warm, safe box, the lid closing on the outside, rolling onto her back on the flagstones of the kitchen and staring at the bright beige of the ceiling above her. Fear, she panted, the answer coming to her as it tied knots in her stomach and crawled up her spine. Fear, it's fear. What are you talking about? Ricky asked, human passing again, dripping with some sort of mucus. His skin was new, without stretch marks or scars, pristine, newborn. Katie barely registered his nakedness. The riddle, it's fear. What riddle? Wes had stopped chanting. Katie sat up, breathing more regularly, scooting back against the solidity of the table leg. She jerked away again almost immediately as her head brushed the tabletop. She thought it was a face on a stalk. It was not. Do you know what it is? What the voice is? She asked him, trembling. Do you see him? Our grandsire? Ricky crouched in front of her, dripping skin mucus on the tiles. I ain't seen him since my change. Don't rightly remember what the old bastard looks like. 
Nor me, Wes said, straddling a kitchen chair and leaning on the back. He peered around Ricky at her. If you see him again, I want a word. No. Katie shook her head, drawing her knees up and away from him. Ricky's tendrils were sneaking out again, curling around his skull, and she recoiled. Stop it! Get them away from me! Get away! Ricky withdrew, frowning, holding his hands up to the back of his head. What's wrong? Is that where we go when we die? Katie couldn't imagine anything worse. Queasiness roiled up into her throat. Oh God! She threw up at her cupped hands, and Ricky jumped up to give her the washing-up bowl from the sink. Bloody hell, you've got a weak stomach, Wes said. She wanted to say, it's where I carry my anxiety, actually. It isn't unusual. Fuck you. But couldn't manage the words. Ricky handed her the bowl and Katie coughed and retched into it, the stale smell of washing up liquid and recently rinsed dishes hitting the back of her nose. She didn't think there was anything left after last time. It was just water and bile. Ricky got as close as he could with the table in the way, wiping her hands with the tea towel and holding her hair away from her face. You're all right, love. I don't think you're really cut out for this, that's all. Katie gagged, eyes watering. She didn't know whether that was supposed to be meant in a good way or if he was disappointed. Ricky was hard to read. It's fear, she said again. The answer to the list. Her throat tightened and she retched again, Uncle Hector's flat, dead face inches from hers in her mind's eye. Fear? What? The 13th isn't killing weak links. They kill what they're afraid of. Katie tried to get up, trying not to spill the bowl or get her sick, stained hands on anything. Despite the towel, her fingers were still slimy, sticky. She was sure she had some in her hair. Why isn't Dad on the list then? She croaked, swaying. Why aren't you? Yeah, and why the fuck am I? Wes sounded sore about that and she couldn't blame him. She crept around the table to the sink and ran the hot tap. Ha, let's have a think. Ricky sounded like he was grinning. She'd given herself away, now he knew she was afraid. Maybe it's a specific fear. Or maybe I'm just not what you fear most. He sniggered. What's so scary to you about him then? Katie swallowed and shrugged, not able to look at her brother. I'll clean this up. Just put the bowl somewhere. Nah, no worries. He was lurking behind her. She could feel him there, but the hot water and soap were soothing. She kept her hands under the tap as the water turned from warm to scalding. Her hands burned, turning pink. Katie kept them under, rubbing them together, watching them change colour and barely registering the pain. Ricky leaned over and turned on the cold water. It don't help, you know. What? He didn't answer her for a moment, watching her quietly. She let the cold soothe her skin, then turned the tap off. I got pneumonia twice, he said, apparently apropos of nothing. Did you know that? Katie shook her head, checking her hair. Ricky nodded. Yeah. Once was when Mum said I shouldn't be in the house, you know, because the old man. I slept outside. Fucking freezing, frost on the ground, she gave me a coat, told me to wait, said she'd come up and get me. I waited all night, but she didn't come. He smiled bitterly at the kitchen table, running a hand along the top of the nearest chair. Could have died. We can die like that, you know, before the changes. I was seven, maybe, I don't remember. Second time I did it on purpose. Wanted to get ill, got more attention, see? Childish, ain't it? 
He shook his head. I crashed a car once, too. Nicked it from a hotel car park in town, wrapped it round a tree. He chuckled. Best near-death experience I ever had. Wes was silent, his head ducked low. Why? Katie wiped her hands in her jeans. Why are you telling me this? Ricky looked at her with a shrewd, knowing stare. Because I didn't want to change, neither. Katie didn't know what to say. Wes only moved now, getting up as if his joints were heavy and pulled out the chair for her. She sidled into it and sat as Ricky took the sick bowl and rinsed it out in the sink now she was done. I thought you just did drugs and got wasted. Ricky giggled. Oh yeah, of course, wouldn't you? Bloody hell. I don't do drugs. Pollocks, you don't. Don't you lie to me, Catherine. She chewed her lip, avoiding Wes's eye. He had a tendency to get up his own arse that she really didn't appreciate. Whatever. I don't turn up at kids' birthday parties off my tits like some people. Wes snorted and Ricky cocked his head, chin jutting belligerently. His eyes widened. Oh, me? You're talking about me? Yeah, all right. I never was good at crowds. And you can ask her. I've always been a moody arsehole. Katie assumed he meant Carrie, although she wasn't sure where Carrie was. Ricky cocked his head at Wes. Or him. Yeah, he has. Wes stretched out and Katie wondered when he'd changed chairs. She couldn't remember. Never had a good people tolerance, have you, soothsayer? Ricky shrugged. I like... I like being on my own. Katie frowned. That didn't ring quite true. Ricky shifted and she realised with a twinge of horror that she felt sorry for him. He killed Gran and now she's a monster. And he kidnapped me. She gritted her teeth. Being lonely isn't an excuse for being an asshole. Ricky shook his head. Me? Don't bother, we've had this conversation before, Wes said, leaving Katie with the impression he was bored of it. Over and over, since we were nine. Bollocks, I saw you lot once a bleeding year when we were kids. Ricky joined her at the table, turning a chair around to straddle it and lean on the chair back. Look, Catherine, you don't like me, I know that. I think if you get control of the list, you might be tempted to put me on it. I'm not stupid. You loved Gran. Katie nodded, steeling herself, wondering if he would tell her the truth. Do you know why I didn't love her? I don't really care, to be honest. She wasn't ready to hear it, not, not yet, not now, the roiling in her stomach worsening. He shrugged. All is best to be honest, but you know I'm going to tell you anyway. If her legs weren't so shaky, she would have walked out. Ricky, come on, Wes leaned forward. She's had enough for today. Let's. She promised me the bloody moon, our gran. Said she'd take me in, even tried it for a bit, but the problem was this. Ricky tapped the centre of his forehead and grinned, cold and savage. That's how she figured it out, see? If our Richard's happy now, our Richard can't see the future for shit. He shook his head. When I got home, there's this girl there. Mum couldn't stand not having a kid in the house, so she'd taken one. Didn't last long. Dad lost it when she tried to run, broke her little back. He sniggered. Thought Mum would be pleased I was home, but I want what she wanted. Wes groaned. Not this story again. Auntie Letty's barking. I wish you'd just send her to someone. I told you, I know it. Mum stays where she is, Ricky snapped. She don't like going out, just leave her be. Katie didn't know what to say. She... that's... 
Ricky shifted. Point is about me getting pneumonia, crashing a car. That was, that was all before, before the changes, before I heard the voice, before I had a purpose. I had a gift I didn't know what to do with. And some days I didn't know whether I wanted it or not, but it was all I had. He drummed his fingers on the chair back. Is any of this hitting the right notes for you? Because this is about as, what do you call it, interpersonal as I get. Wes sniggered. No, you're doing pretty well for once. I'm impressed. Gran's in pain. Katie swallowed the laughter and made herself remember the twisted face. You sent her to this, this wasteland. She's, they're all, all of them. They're part of the throne. Yeah, I know. Ricky nodded. Sorry you had to see that, but you'll be sat on it one day. You won't need eyeballs then, not like me. You'll be a bloody queen. Assimilation. He spelled it out, making the most of every syllable. That's what's waiting for us if you survive your own cull. I'll control that thing. Katie heard it again, lumbering after her on twisted limbs. Fuck. Gran's the best of them, the strongest. Now you've got all three matriarchs in there, if you can control them. You're welcome. He grinned. I always seem to do the right thing in the long run. Katie regretted ever sharing so much as a smile with him. She couldn't hear this bullshit, not now. She got up, legs still weak, and forced herself out of the kitchen and into the hall. Oi, Catherine, what's this about fear? I can help you figure it out. Go fuck yourself, Katie muttered under her breath. See if that's the right thing to do in the long run. Mm -hmm.